Hello, friends, and welcome to How to Win Friends and Influenza, a podcast all about different careers in medicine. I'm your host, Lily. Now, today we're recording from a slightly different location. You might hear a little bit of a sound quality difference, and that's because we're recording authentically from the road. We're at a little outback place, uh, not that far from the city, actually, in a rural town, sitting in the library, recording in a quiet location. And that's because today I'm in a rural area talking about rural GP life and skin cancer. So two very interesting topics. And with me, I have Dr. Philip. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lily. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on the show because I know you do quite a few different things mm. with your career, skin yep. cancer, um, a bit of hospital work mm, as well. Mm, yep. And obviously you've got a family, which is probably another mm, full-time mm, job. Mm-hmm, yep. So thank you so much for your time. Mm-hmm. It's my pleasure. Now to start off with, do you mind giving our listeners a bit of an overview of how you came from medical student to where you are now? I understand you did a postgrad course as well. Okay, so I, um, I did uh, medicine at uh, Sydney Uni uh, prior to that um, uh, my undergrad was in software engineering at mm. New South. Um, after medical school, I did internship and residency at uh, Liverpool Hospital. And um, uh, the year after, started off as a surgical registrar at Westmead um, before welcoming um, over most of New South Wales and Queensland. Um, I started uh, in the the general practice uh, training program after that where I spent a bit of time out at Moree in rural general practice. Um, Got my fellowship there and then for the past two years I've been uh, down here in Nara doing a combination of uh, uh, skin cancer work, uh, surgical assisting um, and, uh, and 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 as you said, just trying to balance uh, mm. family in there as well. Yeah. Right. So to me, that is an amazingly interesting life because you've gone from software engineering all the way to where you are now. And I think the biggest question is, what made you decide to veer into medicine? Um, that, that, that I think that is an interesting. Uh, story but it's, I don't know how much people would get out of it but essentially I when I was uh, living uh, on campus at New South I had a friend staying with me who was doing uh, medicine and I was doing a postgrad in uh, biophysics at the time and uh, you know I'd come back from my office and, and say you know I, I spent the day running you know simulations on protein molecules and he'd come back from hospital and say you know I helped a woman deliver a baby today Mm. and I thought well I think I know which one of us has had a more exciting time and uh, you know I looked into it more and more Um, I ended up doing the GAMS more out of curiosity than anything Mm. else and uh, actually got offered a place at Sydney and uh, so I decided to, to take it and and that was how it all started. Yeah. Now, I think that's interesting because it, um, you know, that sort of decision affects your motivations for being in medicine and then affects what kind of career path you choose in medicine. So another question on the same note is, what made you go from being a surgical registrar to choosing GP life mm. and then eventually skin cancer? Yeah, I think, um, I imagine I'd probably give a, a similar answer to a lot of my colleagues for that. Um, as, as you've, you've probably heard before, 
uh, surgery out of a lot of specialties is is probably one that demands the most of you not only in terms of of actually doing the surgical work but in terms of study the amount of time that it takes up and, and the other things that you have to to kind of put on hold to do it I mean it's it is possible to you know to have other things going on but I think for a good portion of your life mm. if you want to be um, you know a general surgeon or orthopedics or plastics you've you've kind of got to be prepared for for that to be the main focus of what's mm. happening um, and I guess at, at the stage I was at um, I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to, to give up some of the other things and so I, I did I did leave that training pathway um, I have I have thought about going back uh, uh, several times but I guess the the kind of the the work and lifestyle that I've fallen into here mm. lets me do a lot of what I would have done uh, as a surgeon um, uh, but having a, a much better work-life balance yeah so these certainly sound like the some of the biggest reasons that people enjoy GP life one is variety of the work and the other one is lifestyle and that combination mm. is, is very powerful so it sounds mm. like you're definitely getting that out of it here and mm. the other interesting thing is that you've um, got your background in GP training mm. but you mm. have a subspecialty in skin cancers yeah How did that come about um, so um, when, when I did it the, the general practice uh, training program was three years uh, postgraduate of which you could accredit most of the time one of your hospital years um, so it was two years kind of out in the in the practice mm. um, and I found that I was uh, kind of drawn to to doing the more procedural aspects right. already so I would you know I'd um, go around the practice gathering up any kind of skin lesions and excisions and other little things to do and people within the practice would end up kind of seeking me out to mm. do them um, and then after I got the fellowship and moved uh, down here to Nara um, I, uh, I was already working as a surgical assistant but I needed something else because it wasn't full time and I saw one of the Mm. The local skin clinics was was advertising for someone, so I got in touch with uh, with the doctor who runs it and started there. Um, and I guess uh, in from, from my own observations, mm. I think we are moving into the realm of the the subspecialty GP. I know a lot of my colleagues um, back in back in Sydney uh, did have within general practice their own little areas of interest so the common ones would be the diploma of child health mm. or um, the obstetrics diploma or mental health um, and as you get out of the cities I think the scope for pursuing your area of interest increases so down here in in Nara with a comparative uh, uh, shortage of dermatologists and plastic surgeons mm -hmm. subspecialty GPs kind of um, fill, fill a lot of that role. Okay and is there scope to do the subspecialty full-time or do you need to supplement that with normal GP practice? That, mm, that's, that's a very interesting point. Um, 
I think I think I could only really comment on on the location that I'm in here in Nowra, and I think you definitely could, but a lot of people do kind of have their interest area as a an add-on to their routine general practice. Um, I would imagine that in in a bigger centre, so back up in Sydney or another capital city, um, where where the the numbers of specialists are higher per head of population, you probably wouldn't have the workload to do just just skin. I know I know people certainly do do that. Some people do, but I think your as I said, your opportunity for following your your subspecialty interests is, is greater the further you get out of the city. Yeah, now speaking of big cities, uh, I think it's crazy that you've gone from Westmead Hospital, which is one of the most major hospitals in Sydney, to a more rural location. And granted, it's sort of on the edge of rural and quite close to the city, but, but how is it going from that transition? Um, well, being being down here and now, I haven't... I, you, you keep, what did you call it? The country. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I feel that it's a reasonably large centre. Um, and I've never felt uh, that there wasn't plenty of, of, of backup available. Mm. Um, I guess the difference would, would have been greater when I was out at Moree, mm. and particularly that was, that was actually my first term of general practice training. Um, and in, in that situation, the, the local emergency department is essentially staffed by the by the GPs in town, so it's it's quite possible, and well, I mean, it happened um, that you know you would be you're you're an emergency, and the stuff that comes through the door is the same as you know any other emergency yeah. department. So that's um, you know cardiac issues, road trauma, anything. Um, you did have. Um, you did have the backup of uh, a surgeon, an anaesthetist, and Cornwall was a GP anaesthetist actually. Um, but I'd say that's a much uh, more stark contrast than, than than where I am currently, and and that can be um, that can be a bit confronting if you're if you're particularly a junior um, uh, general practice trainee, and and you happen to have a rural term first up. I was reasonably happy in that situation because as I mentioned I'd done um, a fair bit of welcoming prior to starting on the training program and that was that was essentially all emergency and emergency mm. nights I was pretty happy in that situation but um, yeah it can be um, it can can make you feel very exposed particularly in, in the early years in a, in a rural general practice setting yeah, and there are various reasons people might want to move rural. One is um, to go with family or um, people they know, or it might be to pursue a job just from availability, or it might be the lifestyle. Do you think any of these reasons is particularly more common for people or more of a strong reason? Or do you think all of them are equally valid for the person? I think, um, I think everyone's going to have their own motivations. I mean, mine, mine were... Yeah, multifactorial again. So, I mean, my uh, partner at the time, who's now my wife, was living down here, so there was an obvious kind of motivation in in that respect. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd 
previously spent a, a good portion of time in the the rural setting so I did a year of uh, medical school uh, at the Dubbo base hospital so it wasn't right. wasn't an unfamiliar um, situation for me uh, and particularly from from the general practice point of view but also from the, the specialty point of view um, I, I do think there's a lot of uh, career opportunities to be had once you get out of um, out of out of the cities um, if you, you've got to be prepared though to, to take a bit of initiative and there's often mm. a lot of hard work but I know um, some of the, the special specialists that I work with at the hospital um, often you might be the one of only you know one or two orthopedic or general mm. surgeons in town so you know you, there's n no shortage of work to do down here you know people don't have trouble kind of setting up a, a practice but by the same token the um the on-call roster can be can be quite demanding if you know it's one in two for for many years yeah which i have to say is in contrast to your work at the skin cancer clinic which is in comparison has uh, sort of regular nice it's, hours it's it's very nice yeah. i mean that's part of why i chose that there's virtually no no skin well there are skin related emergencies mm. but not in skin cancer probably the the most urgent thing would be um you know a quite a thick uh, or or developed melanoma mm. um but you know you can still get on onto that during business hours the next day nothing really has to happen after hours and that's you know that's part of why i've, I've chosen to work in that field as well right so it's compared to things like surgery it's uh, you could, could call it a nine-to-five job. It's a very flippant way of saying it's, it, but it's, it's, it. It essentially yeah. is. Um, I mean, some of the some of the days are, can be fairly long, but they're kind of you're in charge of how mm. long they are. Um, yeah. like nobody's calling you after hours, which I guess is the main difference. Right, and it's a lot like a GP clinic in the sense that patients book in, they come to see you. You sort of know what your day is going to look like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty organised. Mm. Um, I guess one thing that can that can kind of throw things off a bit is being being where we are. Um, if you travel further down the south coast, mm. there's not really there there are facilities there, but not a lot. And so often people will have come a long way um, mm. to go to the clinic. I had a, a man yesterday. I think it's driven about two and a half hours up. Wow. Now, um, ideally, the way you'd like to run things is, you know, you have consulting days and mm. you have nice, clearly defined procedural days. Yeah. Um, but when someone's come that far, if they need something done, um, there is a, a bit of pressure to kind of do that at the time, which can throw out the schedule but but other than that it's all it's all very organized right and what are the sorts of things you do there such as um, using the dermatoscope checking out skin lesions what kind of procedures do you do as well so um, I do try and have um, as I said like split the the days up because mm. on on the procedural days I get someone in to assist um, excuse me um, 
So a lot of the time would either be um, skin cancer screenings, which are either kind of initiated from the from the patient point mm. of view, people who are worried about skin cancer because they've had a relative or a friend, or um, a lot of a lot of our patients are, are kind of returning uh, customers who who have had one or perhaps many many skin cancers in which case we are strongly encouraging them to to get a, a regular uh, screening done um, and then on the procedural days um, what we do in the rooms there is anything uh, from tiny little punch or excisional biopsies that are the main goal of which is diagnostic mm. um, Probably about the largest thing that we would do there is um, is a flap repair, um, uh, either you know on the on the face or, or an area of um, that otherwise doesn't have a enough kind of skin laxity for a standard repair. Um, things things beyond that we tend to still refer on. Um, so I guess complicated mid-facial repairs we still send to the plastics people. Um, and anything that kind of looks like it's going to need a graft, at the moment we're not really set up to, um, to do those in the rooms. But I know that people certainly do um, elsewhere. Right, so the vast majority of cases you do handle at your own clinic rather than refer to? Um, we... I would probably... Um, see about 90 to 95 percent through from mm. initial diagnosis through to ex excising the lesion and repair mm. um, my colleague there who's uh, been in the field a lot longer than me I'd say see probably close to a hundred percent of things right. through but coming from the general practice background as both of us are um, there's there are always going to be things that um, fall beyond, uh, you know, what you're comfortable doing. Yeah. And we still refer on um, any kind of melanomas that are going to need uh, kind of lymph node or imaging studies. You know, that, that should really be done in a tertiary centre, so we send those right. up to, to Sydney. Okay. Now, because we're talking about skin cancer, there's inherently a bit of sadness because of the word cancer. Overall, do you think your job um, ever has days where it gets you down, or do you think it, it's um, in line with any other specialty or subspecialty? I would, I would say it would have to be one of the best um, jobs in terms of uh, kind of the interactions that you have with patients. Right. Um, most most people that that come through, particularly if they're kind of returning patients they may have you know a few lesions that, that they've noticed and they they want you to check um, and generally if you if you can look at look at something quickly and reassure someone that the you know the rest of the time you might just chat about you know what what's been happening mm -hmm. otherwise in their life so it's they're pretty relaxed consultations yeah. um, the vast majority of the time and certainly I guess more um, 
trying to think of a diplomatic word, but more, <laughs> more easygoing than, than a lot yeah. of other general practice sure. uh, consultations. People don't aren't usually very worried about things on their skin. Some people are not as worried as they should be, but mm, um, yeah. yeah, it's um, they're often pretty pretty pleasant consultations. It doesn't feel rushed, or like you have to get them out in five minutes or anything like that. Um, not five minutes, but <laughs> yeah, that'd uh, be crazy. Uh, there, I think whether you're in the hospital or the the, the private practice mm. setting, there is always a time pressure. Um, our standard consultation goes for fifteen minutes, which which I think is in line with most um, most general practice yeah. and specialty. There's certainly um, places that do much shorter. Some places actually do do the five-minute thing, which is a bit insane. I have I have no comment on those practices. <laughs> um, I guess though, it, it can be a bit rushed because um, skin cancer is predominantly a, a disease of the the older patient, as as are mm. most diseases, um, and uh, often the older patient is not perhaps not particularly mobile and just uh, the uh, undressing and redressing mm. required for a top to toe exam can take up often a lot of that 15 minutes by itself so there are time pressures um, but uh, I guess the the benefit is that unlike um, and this is part of why, why I've chosen to work in a dedicated clinic people kind of have a very specific idea why they're there yeah. so you know for for that 15 minutes it's not always 15 minutes yeah. you take as long as you need yeah. um so go straight you're, there, to business. you're there to yeah. look at, at their skin or skin lesions yeah. as opposed to i mean you can do everything that we do in in most well-appointed general practices mm. but um, then you have to worry about their heart failure and their lung problems often, and all these things. Often yeah. it, yeah, it, it kind of falls through to, to the end and, it, and you know, in the last mm. 30 seconds they'll say, well, what do you think about this, this and this thing? Mm. Um, and to, to have a look properly probably takes a bit, a bit longer than people, um, people put aside for it. But uh, no, I think it's um, very rarely am I... Uh, do I feel kind of as as time pressured as, as I have in other in other jobs? Okay. Now we're getting towards the end of the interview, but I've got a couple more questions that I think would be really useful for our listeners. And one is this interesting concept that in a skin cancer clinic you really need good exposure, which is certainly not something you need if a patient's coming to a GP clinic for a renewal of a script. So hmm. was it ever awkward or a little bit frightening, um, you know, when you have to get patients to undress to hmm. do the skin check? Hmm. And how do you deal with it? Um, I was actually surprised at how infrequently that came up, um, which may be due to a combination of things. I guess the, the, the population uh, demographic here on the south coast of New South Wales are generally pretty rea- relaxed and there are often, they're often a lot of older patients who are who are used to, to medical examinations right. and procedures. Um, I would say it would be one in maybe 
a hundred or one in two hundred people um, are a bit apprehensive about uh, undressing to just to it's normally um, underpants or, or bra and underpants mm. for women. Um, in which case we have blankets that they can put over themselves if they need to, or I offer to to step out of the room and let them ch- get changed and mm. come back. Um, but yeah, I, I did anticipate that being an issue, but mm. uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how little it, 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 it has been. Yeah, I guess it goes to show that patients can be very trusting of the medical professions. and um, I think they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, it's our responsibility to, to make sure that trust is not misplaced. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, focusing more on you, um, <laughs> so I, I've got a question that I find very interesting. <laughs> and uh, now, because you've worked in skin cancer and obviously you've recognised a lot of lesions, does it ever induce paranoia in yourself or in the people you know? Um, as in I'm worried about people yeah. that I know. Or do you ever look at your own hand and think, oh gosh, like what is that? When it's pro- possibly harmless? Probably, probably it's had the opposite effect oh, okay. for me. Um, because um, having, yeah, having seen and, and diagnosed a lot of things, I guess... As, as my colleague at the, the practice is fond of mm. pointing out, and... and you know, if you talk to experienced dermatologists, they'll tell you that melanomas can can look like absolutely anything, mm. um, which which does sometimes make me a bit apprehensive. But generally, I'm I'm surprised at how often um, patients who have not had any any kind of formal training in dermatology mm-hmm. or skin or medicine. Yeah how often they're able to pick out a skin cancer in their right because people oh. don't need a referral to our practice. They, they can just see something at home and come in. And I guess intuitively, not all the time obviously, but uh, you know, if something's wrong, often people kind of know that it's not right. So people know how their skin skin is meant to behave like Mm. you get scratches and you get bites and they flare up for a week and they get better generally things that are either sticking around for a long time or are not behaving in the usual fashion is is what makes people suspicious and you know so putting that together with having done the demoscopy courses and and seen a lot of things Mm. um i'm actually pretty pretty happy you know (laughs) With, with my own skin and my like, close acquaintances and family so yeah <laughs> well, that's good and do you have any recommendations on how to learn about skin conditions because it can get very confusing mm, that's um that's a good point i don't not not as a criticism of the mm. of the um the sydney program but um we had what felt like fairly um scarce dermatology Mm. teaching at medical school Mm. and even in the postgraduate um uh training in the in the general practice uh fellowship it's uh, i mean you get some but again it's it's far from comprehensive probably um one of the the best resources that i could direct people to is um uh, it's a course run by 
the College of General Practitioners okay. in association with uh, um, the College of Dermatologists. They've jointly um, put this together. And it's, um, it is quite, quite comprehensive. It's, there's about, I think there's 24 modules and they cover everything. I mean, they've got skin cancer in there. But it really is general dermatology as well. Right, so it sounds like the kind of thing where people do need to go out of their way to learn a little bit more, and I guess that's what makes it a subspecialty. It's additional to sort of GP. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you know, most most GPs and most people from every specialty, mm. if you if you ask them about um, skin cancer, they'll know about. BCCs and SCCs yeah. and melanoma um, and some people may even know about the subtypes within those but there are other uh, cutaneous malignancies and, and syndromes and I guess if you you know if you're presented with um, and, and as people will do if, if you're in general practice or even if you're a general surgeon people often come to you with a a skin lesion. Mm. Now, if you only have three diagnostic possibilities, you're going to remove a lot of skin cancers right. that aren't skin cancers. So, I, I think, well, my own view, and it's echoed by some of my colleagues in general practice, is that you should, even if your your intention is only to to work in skin cancer, you should also know about a lot of the other. Uh, skin conditions yeah. that can mimic those cancers because you can avoid doing a lot of uh, unnecessary procedures. Yeah, and does that just come through experience, like being able to recognise them, or do you have to sit through flashcards <laughs> and look at pictures? Well, I think you, you have to know... I guess you have to have the knowledge there to start with that, that these entities exist. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, that the various ways that psoriasis can present or lichen planus or... You know innumerable other things um but then you've also got to there, there is a lot of experience as well um and i guess having what what i would um ideally like to see in in the future and uh, depending on who you talk to there are kind of stirrings happening in the college of having um a uh well, there already is a special interest dermatology group, but having an officially kind of recognised subspecialty qualification within general practice, um, whereby you you have the, the knowledge base, but you also have however many years of, mm. of practical experience. And in, and in that practical experience, I think there's um, a big role uh, for mentoring because, yeah. you know, as... As I did, not not just with skin things, but but generally, uh, when I started um, uh, the GP program, you'll often go to one of your senior colleagues and mm. and either tell them about you know either a skin lesion or some other condition and, and get their opinion on it. And I think that role uh, uh, of of the mentor contributes a lot because you know even if you've got flashcards or a textbook. Um, they don't show you the way that, right. that things yeah. will present on skin of different ages and different sun exposures and different pigmentation. Uh, 
and so you often just need a, a more experienced pair of eyes there to help to help guide you right that makes sense now i would 100% like to acknowledge that there was a screaming child in the background as you were talking so we'll just end with one last question mm-hmm. which is uh, what is your best piece of advice for people considering GP or skin cancer work especially if they don't know if that's for them yet but they're considering it um, I think most um, most uh, medicine programs will will in- include a general practice component I know that I spent a few a few weeks out in general practice and I think if you want to find um, out if it is for you see if you can get attached either to uh, a dedicated skin cancer clinic or um, or a practice where they have a focus on that and just see what the kind of the day-to-day uh, work involves mm. um, you know, see what the consultations are like, see if you're interested in doing the procedures. Um, because, you know, short of doing that, you're not, you're not going to know. You, I mean, you can listen to people talk about it, but still not like really. Now. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> like now, but, and still not really know yeah. if it's for you. Okay, well, thank you so much for all your great wisdom and your personal <laughs> life story. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we'll try not to have screaming children <laughs> next time, but we can't make any promises. So um, I think in this episode, we've really covered a bit of rural GP life, sort of just journey from a non-science background to obviously doing a lot of interesting things in medicine and finally um, being in a skin cancer clinic as a subspecialty with GP background. So... We've covered a lot. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all in the next episode.